Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Hello and welcome to the program for March 29th, 2022, which in the Hebrew calendar we count as the 26th of Adar 2, 5782. I am Walter Bingham, and like you, I am appalled by the ruthless actions in Ukraine perpetrated by Putin's armies. Although I must admit that I have some reservations about Zelensky and the Ukrainians generally, but that's a subject for another time. Today I'm starting a new series of Walter Bingham Investigates that will appear from time to time. The first is an in-depth inquiry into alcoholism in Israel with interviews of experts. You may not want to miss that. I also always wondered why people would want to permanently disfigure their bodies with tattoos. So I begin with what I found out about Jews and tattoos. As the temperature will warm up, and people are discarding their heavy winter clothing, it is surprising how many Jewish men and women in Israel are proudly displaying their body tattoos. Although tattooing has been practiced throughout the world for millennia, it was never a practice followed by Jews. In fact, the Torah prohibits it, as it is written in Leviticus 18 verse 28, and the tattoo you shall not place upon yourself. And the prohibition is underlined by the very next words, I am Hashem. That also gave rise to the belief that Jews with tattoos cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery. Well, if that were the case, then the cemeteries would be empty because there are very few of us, if any, who have never transgressed a command of the Torah. One hundred years ago, few Jews would have thought of permanently adorned their bodies with ink. Yet, since the 1990s in Israel, the repulsion for tattoos is losing its significance. In fact, today it is considered as being cool to be able to display their body art. That's the new term that has replaced the taboo of tattoo. Stay tuned for more about this and also the in-depth investigation about Jews and alcoholism after the break. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. And now, here is Walter Bingham. Today, it is considered as being cool to be able to display their body art. That's the new term that has replaced the taboo of tattoo. 
In Tel Aviv, at least 10 body art parlors compete for the reputation as having the most innovative tattooists. Also in the holy city of Jerusalem, there are several such establishments advertising their services and even the walled old city can leave its mark on you. There, Vasim Rasuk runs arguably the oldest tattoo establishment in the world, where his family has been tattooing Coptic Christians since the 13th century. He still works with hand-carved wooden stencils to mark the designs, which are mostly of a religious nature. His customers are therefore mainly of the older generation. In the 19th and 20th century, to have tattoos was the practice among sailors and the blue-collar section of society, although the Duke of York, later King George V, is said to have acquired a tattoo of a dragon in the 1880s. Today it is the practice among the young to make a statement with tattoos, either political or social. Young ladies often begin by having a butterfly or flower on their shoulder blade, perhaps to indicate their care of the environment or sometimes even in places only visible during intimacy. To get the view of an enthusiast, I could do no better than to visit a tattoo parlor. The one I chose was in Jerusalem and was listed with many recommendations. It was also the closest to my home and I therefore entered with some apprehension because of the concept of Merad Ayin, translated appearance to the eye. My intentions could be misinterpreted. Merad Ayin is a concept in Halakha, Jewish law, which states that certain actions which might seem to observers to be in violation of the Jewish law, but in reality are fully permissible, are themselves not allowed due to rabbinic enactments that were put in place to prevent onlookers from arriving at false conclusions. As this was my first time ever to set foot on a tattoo shop, I expected a bright clinical atmosphere with white painted walls and staff wearing white coats. What I found were colourful rooms decorated with pictures and mementos explaining body art, shelves with different coloured bottles and two black massage beds. I began by asking the proprietor, who is obviously an accomplished artist, why he chose this field to express his talent rather than conventional painting. I was always good at drawing, he said, and during my early teens I saw a TV program about body art and decided that this was what I wanted to do. After my army service I studied tattooing in Holland and now I'm happy in my work. Do your clients discuss the reasons for wanting a tattoo? Well, unlike years ago, today tattoos are about the family, important life events and memories. Ex-IDF soldiers often like to document for life their service or even traumatic experiences. During the 18th century, heavily tattooed persons were exhibited in circus sideshows as freaks. Not very complimentary to the art, is it? In our age of social media, there is much material on display. 
He replied in defense of his art. Do people tell you what motif they want? They have an idea and I make some sketches for them to choose from. In what age group are most clients? Between 26 and 50, but some are even 75. We do not accept under the legal age because tattoos are for life. What about first-timers? Do they have similar choices and similar places on the body? They begin with a small one, often on the back, and subsequently add some on the arms or legs. I was always curious, does tattooing hurt? Some parts of the body are more sensitive than others, but people don't mind. Bearing in mind that thousands of Jews were forcibly tattooed by the Nazis, should that alone not trigger a revulsion in Jews against tattoos? And the Torah also expressly forbids it, yet tattooing has skyrocketed in Israel in recent years. How do you explain that? It's different today because you want it with your heart. As for religion, people make choices and don't feel guilty about them. What is the percentage of men to women and are their choices different? More men than women choose tattoos and there are different styles for men and women. Do you also remove tattoos? No, that's done in laser establishments, but I impress on everyone to think before deciding because it's hard to remove and they are for life. My research among passers-by in the streets of Jerusalem produced very much the same sentiments as expressed by the tattooist. Now to the subject of alcohol. It is tempting to believe that juice and drink do not mix, but are we sweeping the issue under the carpet or is it true that Jewish people just don't have a problem with alcohol. I'll never forget the last Seder before I got help, said Rachel. My grandfather was leading us in listing aloud the ten plagues and suddenly I began to see my own alcohol. It was a realization such as this that helped Rachel to change her life. For some time she'd been involved in a relationship in which her partner drank heavily. Quote, At first I told myself he didn't really have a problem and I justified his drinking, thinking that he had a hard day at work and deserves the extra drink. But when my partner would leave on a five-minute errand and return drunk five hours later, it was I who became violent. My emotions would swing from depression to aggression and I was the non-drinker. To many Jewish people, Rachel's heartbreaking situation may well sound extraordinary, but it's by no means the only story of its kind within our community. The widely held view that there are no Jewish alcoholics is nourished by the fact that alcoholism is often included in general addiction statistics. There's also the intense denial that takes place in the community itself. The closer-knit a particular community is, like for instance Hasidic groups, the greater the shame that is felt and the more likely it is that every attempt will be made 
to deal with a problem within the family. This invariably proves to be a fruitless exercise. As Rachel's story illustrates, it's not only the drinker who needs help. For every alcohol-dependent person, there are at least seven or eight close relatives, including children, who suffer emotional and psychological stress. Typical problems are violence, fear, unstructured and unregulated home life, lack of the ability to love and a loss of self-confidence. When I asked Rachel why she remained in this relationship, she replied, I lost my self-esteem and had no self-respect. I thought that I was guilty and didn't deserve better. Patterns of behavior are passed down through the family. When a child asks, what's wrong with that? And the mother replies, nothing. She follows the typical rules of the alcoholic family. Don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. The child then accepts the father's behavior as the norm. The organization that has arguably continuous contact with serial alcohol addicts is Alcoholics Anonymous, known by the initials AA. Their activists, or members as all attendees of meetings call themselves, are usually recovered alcoholics themselves. To help me understand how one becomes an alcohol addict, I met with former alcoholic and activist Rebecca to give me an insider's view. I asked, in contrast to drugs, alcohol is a legal beverage which most of us consume from time to time. Even if on the recent festival of Purim someone literally follows the mitzvah to drink to the point of no longer being able to differentiate between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai, he'll be back to normal on the following day. What makes one addicted? Once an alcoholic takes that first drink, she said, it sets up a craving in the body so that if I were to take one drink, I would want another. I'd have no control over it once I start. I've been a member of AA for 32 years and for all that time I haven't taken one drink. I believe that there is a genetic component. If one or both parents are alcoholics, that person has a genetic predisposition to also become an alcoholic. There is also the social environment factor. If one grows up in a home where there is a lot of drinking, they learn that behavior, but for a true alcoholic, there has to be what we call an allergy, a physical compulsion. One drink will set off this loss of control. Many alcoholics wake up in the morning and resolve not to drink, but then go to bed drunk. I understand, but what in your experience are the causes? The main causes are stress or trauma to reach for the bottle and then the allergy sets in. The effects of the COVID lockdown caused to tip the scale for non-alcoholics and heavy drinkers to get addicted. But many people regularly take an alcoholic drink when stressed but don't become addicted, so what else can lead to it? Keep it here to hear Rachel's answer after the break. The Tamar Yona Show. Tamar? She's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. And now, here is Walter Bingham. The effects of the COVID lockdown caused to tip the scale for non-alcoholic and heavy drinkers to get addicted. But many people regularly take an alcoholic drink when stressed but don't become addicted, so what else can lead to it? There are many excuses why people drink, but there are not reasons, explained Rachel. I believe, and our book, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, states very clearly that the cause of our alcoholism is a separation from God. I feel inside me a black hole, being separate from God, and I aim to fill that hole. Liquor is called spirit, and there is something spiritual about it. You take a few drinks and feel good, closer to people, closer to God, without intending it. There's an allergy of the body, a mental obsession to get that next drink. What happens at AA meetings? There are 12 steps to negotiate over time. 1. To admit being powerless over alcohol and that life is unmanageable. 2. A power greater than us can restore sanity. 3. To turn my world and life over to God as we understood Him. So is AA a religious organization? No. People of any religion or none are welcome and feel comfortable. It's a spiritual program, and there's a difference between religion and spirituality. We say that religion is for people who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for people who have been to hell and don't want to go back. Most members will get a sponsor who was an alcoholic and can guide them through these steps on an individual basis. When I joined, I said, but I don't believe in God. You don't have to believe in God. Just talk to him, was the reply. I thought, that's crazy, and then tried it and said, I don't believe that you are there, but if you are, please help me. Step four is to take a fearless moral inventory of ourselves. In Judaism, it's called cheshbon nefesh. What do I do that my good intentions are not working? Five, to admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. A lot of alcoholics have a secret. According to a survey, many more members of AA were sexually abused than of the average population. Many members grew up in homes where they were physically or emotionally abused and lacked the attention and love which kids need. So they carry a lot of shame as well as guilt for the wrong, the immoral or illegal actions while drunk. Six and seven is asking God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, list all persons we harmed and make amends to them all. Nine, to pay back any monies owed, including back taxes. We have to be really honest. What's the relevance of honesty to alcoholism? Trying to stay sober means changing one's life, no longer living a life of lies to oneself and to others. 
10 is continuing to make personal inventory. 11 is prayer and meditation to improve our contact with God as we understood Him. Many members don't believe in God and it still works for them. Just being in a room with like-minded people is a supportive experience that becomes the equivalent to a kind of higher power. 12. Having had this spiritual experience inspires us to help others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. But why do you continue to go to AA meetings having been sober for 32 years? I must carry out step 12 and carry the message to other alcoholics. Before I joined AA, I was depressed and felt that my life was meaningless. Now I'm a happy person with children, grandchildren and love. As a result of my difficult childhood, I'm able to help other people and that gives meaning to my life. If someone with a couple of bottles by his side is begging in the street, would you go up to him? If he was begging, I would give him money. What? To support his addiction? I have realized over the years that it's not my job to judge people, so I would give him money, just as I would to any other beggar. I might also slip him one of our cards with a hotline number, so if he wants to seek help, he'll know where to turn. By searching for AA Israel, one reaches our website with all the information in several languages, showing meetings all over Israel, as well as the multilingual 24-hour hotline 072-393-2500. Those were the answers of a former alcoholic. This social ill of alcoholism impacts on our society and indeed in part on the economy. I'm thinking of loss of work hours and general efficiency of the addict. So as this is a health issue, I approached the Ministry of Health and there I was met by Dr. Paola Roska, who heads the department concerned with addiction. I began by asking her to what extent alcoholism is dealt with by her department. And this is what she told me. During the last years, we found that the most used psychoactive substance is alcohol, even more than cannabis. It's an important part of our work, and unfortunately in Israel, there is only one registered medication that is helping addicts not to crave for alcohol and also reduces the pleasure from drinking alcohol. This substance has been introduced into the subsidized health basket during the past year, so there is some progress in this field. There are other medications available in the world and we have to work on getting those registered in Israel. Can you give some examples of your work? One of our tasks is to collect and analyze data. For instance, recording the numbers who come to emergency departments when they are drunk. We are introducing new protocol of treatment from all over the world that should work here. We also attend relevant committee meetings and boards in Parliament and work interdisciplinary with other ministries that are involved in the problems such as the Ministry of Education with the police and social services. 
Does your department have a separate section that deals with alcoholism? No, our work includes all psychoactive substances except nicotine. What percentage of addiction in Israel is attributed to alcoholism? Because Israel was always thought of as having low alcohol consumption, we have underdiagnosed the problem. But since the Russian immigration, alcohol has become a major problem, especially for young people. Ten years ago, it was thought to be 4% of the population, but recent research done with Hadassah Medical School shows that 7% of the population have alcohol problems. Not necessarily as alcoholics, but for instance, binge drinking. That is taking four or five drinks on the same drinking occasion and characterizes now the drinking problem in Israel and that brings about negative effects. So bearing that in mind, how do you view the festival of Purim? Ah, Purim can be one of those occasions. Even rabbis have been involved in preventing young religious people becoming drunk because they have understood that this has also become a problem for the religious sector of our country where they drink also in yeshivot, that's Torah learning institutes, even together with their teachers. Is there a difference between the religious and the secular society? Yes, the secular part of the population is drinking overtly. Everybody knows that you drink, but among the religious it's more like a hidden condition that one doesn't talk about. You publish a yearly report about your work, but within that is alcoholism separately itemized? Yes, we list information from our treatment centers and compare the use of alcohol with other substances. Alcohol is the most prevalent in all our treatment centers. Though tell me more about the treatment centers. We have residential detox centers where during a stay of between 21 and 30 days we administer the physical detoxification process. That has to be followed up by the referral agency to help working on the psychological determinants of the addictions supervised by the Minister of Welfare. Is there much recidivism? Even after completing a detox course, it's very difficult to abstain from alcohol because the triggers are everywhere. At a bar mitzvah or wedding, alcohol is served and once it was thought in treatment that the only way was to stop drinking completely. But during the last 15 years, a harm reduction approach has emerged. It is now thought that by programming like motivational interviewing one can impress on the addicts the danger to which they expose themselves and so increase their motivation to change their behavior and will to reduce drinking. That's contrary to the philosophy of AA. We believe that as a first step, harm reduction will more successfully convince people to begin treatment rather than immediate complete abstention. Is there a difference in the numbers between alcohol-addicted men and women? 
Once there was a big gap, which is becoming smaller because more women drink today than 10 years ago. It's also worrying because women are more sensitive to the health and social effects of alcohol. Dr. Roska explains why after the break. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American Time, 7 a.m. Israeli Time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. And now... Here is Walter Bingham. More women drink today than 10 years ago. That is worrying because women are more sensitive to the health and social effects of alcohol. And even with the same body and body mass as men, the time between harmful drinking and addiction is much shorter. It is generally thought that men become aggressive when drunk. Is it the same for women? Sometimes, but they are more prone to become victims of aggression by men because they don't detect the dangers around them when they are drunk, resulting in sexual assault or abuse. With alcohol being legal and easily available, more and more underage boys and girls, often from dysfunctional families, can be seen at night drinking at known locations. Should drinking in public be made illegal? It is true that those who drink most in Israel are the young, even under 18. We are promoting legal intervention to sell bottles of alcohol after certain hours and not to drink in public places. But if you forbid that, they will make drinking parties in houses. During the COVID-19 period, there was an increase in alcohol drinking. There were even virtual drinking sessions, so it's questionable if some prohibition will help. Should we perhaps adopt the Swedish system of government monopoly of alcohol sales at a minimum age of 20, except in licensed restaurants and bars, with 18, or increase the tax to raise the cost to the very high level that it is in Sweden. It's a very interesting program that helps and we were already considering how to adopt part of it. As to tax, it was raised some time ago and people bought low price alcohol with its inherent dangers, which was counterproductive. Therefore, intervention must be balanced and multifaceted from prevention to treatment to legislation. One of the reasons why young people drink is boredom. There are not enough exciting leisure programs offered to engage their interest, so they turn to drugs or alcohol. We are also working with the Minister of Welfare in focusing on pregnant women and those planning pregnancy who drink to prevent them from continuing because the fetus can be hurt by developing alcofetus syndrome. Can a fetus become an alcoholic? Yes, but it can also suffer mental damage, post-traumatic stress disorder, 
ADHD, aggressivity and sometimes even psychopathic disorder. It's all preventable because we don't know how much of the alcohol a pregnant woman drinks passes through the placenta and her fetus drinks. Are there other predispositions to becoming an alcoholic? Well, 50 to 60% of alcoholics are genetically inclined to the condition. Those who carry a high genetic load begin to drink much earlier and don't always respond to treatment. For others, there is the influence of the environment. Do school curricula include subjects explaining the dangers of substance addiction? The Ministry of Education has various prevention programs for schools dealing with addiction of drugs or alcohol, but it's not compulsory and at the discretion of the school director to decide which, or if any, programs to include. So not all students receive the same information. Those were the answers Dr. Paula Roska of the Ministry of Health gave me. She was Israel's representative at the meeting this month of the World Health Organization's 48 regional member states dealing with national alcohol strategy to reduce harmful alcohol use. There was much concern about women drinking to excess as alcohol is in carcinogen group 1 that has been linked to more than seven cancers, particularly breast cancer. Other government agencies that are involved with alcohol abuse are the social services who are concerned with the emotional or even physical effect of an alcoholic on his or her larger family circle and particularly on children. Operating at the sharp end is the police who deal daily with the dangerous effects on the larger society of the misuse of alcohol such as drunk driving, domestic violence, sexual abuse to mention just some. At any age, one can always learn new things. Speaking about alcohol, I attended the Navruz celebrations of the Baha'i Faith, their New Year, that took place in one of Jerusalem's prestigious hotel ballrooms. As is usual at such events, there is a continuous self-service of all kinds of delicious foods from salads to fish and meat dishes to the most sumptuous desserts, even during the speeches. But it cannot have been a matter of economy that there was no alcohol bar. So I was curious about the reason and soon found out that Baha'is are forbidden to drink alcohol or to take drugs except by a doctor's order, because God has given human beings reason which is affected by intoxicants, and that can lead the mind astray. The non-medicinal use of mind-altering drugs is particularly condemned by the Baha'i scriptures. That's why I have never heard of or seen any Baha'i drug addicts or alcoholics. That's it for today. I hope that I have stimulated you to give some thoughts to those items which you will not hear or read about in any other Jewish publication, except where I wrote about it. I hope to be back again with more interesting news, views and interviews from Israel and the rest of the Jewish world. Until then, this is 
Walter Bingham wishing you a healthy and successful week. And please don't forget to visit your elderly neighbor, particularly in these continuing COVID times. Thank you. Goodbye. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from Leak City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Doris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 